queer and Africa. Two words that often seem to not coexist in the same sentence. Because a lot of times, when you think of queer, you will not think of Africa. Many other times, queer people have been taught and made to believe that they are an African, made to believe that they are taboo, made to believe that pop culture, social media, and other quote-unquote modern influences have shaped how they think and that they've left their true African nature. What is the African nature, you ask? Queer Talk Africa brings together a diverse group of activists from around Africa who will discuss various issues the queer community face in Africa. Our main aim is collective activism and advocacy. On Queer Talk Africa, we will discuss various issues and share several experiences. Some of them will be funny, some of them will be heavy, but these are really the things that we go through. My name is Lamomo Panta. I am a trans non-binary person and I hail from Zambia. I consider myself an LGBT and mental health activist. The Queer Talk Africa team comprises of various activists from around Africa. In today's very first episode, we are sharing our personal experiences on how it's like to be queer in Africa. My name is Freddie and I'm a queer non-binary individual living in Uganda. I'm an intersectional feminist and I think I've reached a point in my life where I feel that I can't comfortably continue to exist in the world as it is. So this is my small contribution towards making Africa a better place for all the queer kids out there who feel alone and ostracized. Um, so my experience being queer and closeted was, for the most part, lonely and really alienating. Because first of all, Uganda is a very religious country. And I grew up in a religious household, as in like my parents were church elders. So it was deep. Um, I think I first realized I was queer when I was like eight. And we had some family friends over, over the holidays. And on New Year's, um, during that pre-fireworks nap, uh, we shared a bed. I shared a bed with one of them, and we slept facing each other, yeah? And as she exhaled, I inhaled her her air. And, like, we were basically sharing our breaths, which, of course, now with COVID just sounds gross. But, like, at the time, I remember thinking to myself that, like, this is romantic, And, like, I I, I didn't really know much about sex or romance, but, like, from what I'd seen in the movies and what the adults talked about, this seemed like it. Anyway, so I just, like, went ahead to completely forget about that experience, and I went on with my life as usual until puberty kicked in, and I was in high school. It was a single-sex school, and I was just so lost. I didn't know what was happening to me, and... It was a very confusing time because um, when I was at the school, they would have guest speakers come and talk to us um, in chapel and tell us like horror stories about gay people and how they were 
being planted in schools to recruit people's children into gayism and how this is just whole worldwide agenda to destroy the family and then just everything um so attitudes were really generally homophobic even amongst the students because there were some students who are rumored to be gay and every once in a while discussions would come up about them in my presence and people would say really homophobic things like if my child was gay i would beat them until they weren't i would take them to church those things and like it's important to note that those statements were coming from people who i considered my friends and who considered themselves my friend as well their friend yeah who considered man ah. anyway so like i think you can imagine that toll it took on my mental health because i had a very terrible self-image i hated myself because even the people who loved me and were my friends hated that aspect of me and that that was something that i couldn't remove from myself because um my sexuality is a big part of who i am as an individual so i couldn't like separate and it got to a point where i was like self-harming very regularly as like a punishment for thinking gay thoughts and man, i prayed for it to go away i tried everything honestly and like nothing changed uh but it was quite a journey becoming the person i am now because it took a lot of mental work and doing that stuff the trauma and teaching myself to love myself and honestly it's it's still a work in progress um so i came out quite recently and i had at the end of last year and i had started to spiral i i lost so much weight i was just i was in a very bad place and i had to take a year of school to just work on myself um yeah and it got to a point where i could no longer be closeted because i couldn't reconcile telling telling myself that there was nothing wrong with me while at the same time hiding my sexuality not to say that it was easy because it was the hardest scariest thing i have ever done because there was a possibility that i would lose my friends my parents would kick me out and like i'm still aware of the danger of being queer in uganda and like it really didn't go terribly the first person i told was one of my oldest friends and my favorite people um i've known her since like 2011 and honestly i have never felt so loved um and her reaction like emboldened me and gave me the courage to like go the whole way um uh and like since then i've been able to maintain all the relationships that matter to me the friends the people who i considered closest to me um know and they're okay with that and like man that's all that matters and so as for my parents they i think me coming to them and saying i need to take time off school was really jarring for them because until them i'd been the the model child you get so I think the context of that whole situation put them in a better position to accept me when I came out and like we don't really talk about it but they know me they know the truth and they accept me and I'm honestly so lucky because that's not the case for many queer kids around Africa so if you're listening don't feel pressured to come out I think listen to your gut and come out when you think it's right for you and also 
I think it's important for you to have some sort of backup plan because like for if it goes south because for me I personally I already like I had mapped out what I would do if it went south I already had like I knew who I would call and who I would go and live with yeah hi my name is Naya I'm an LGBTQI activist and intersectional feminist from Mozambique being queer and growing up queer isn't easy in general Growing up queer in Africa just makes it even more complicated. I live in a country where homosexuality was decriminalized just five years ago, and I am lucky to have grown up here. Uh, But although LGBTQI rights are recognized by law, it seems that socially, being anything other than cisgender and straight is still an abnormality. Um, Now, in comparison to a couple of years ago, Being queer is being more recognized and accepted, but mainly by the younger generation, whilst the elders don't even seem to understand and some are blatantly against it. And I think this is due to the education that we as Africans receive and give to others. I, as well as many other people in Mozambique, and I believe that in other countries in Africa as well, didn't really have space for clear, unashamed, bare communication in our families. That meaning that any topic that is somewhat unconventional is considered a taboo. So there are no sexuality and sex-related talks, and many people don't have information about what being queer is or anything related to LGBTQI people and our rights and what it actually means to be part of the community. A lot of the information that people get, myself included, is it has to be from the internet or whatever they have access to and some people who aren't privileged to have access to information that they can navigate themselves simply develop their own beliefs by hearing other people talk about it and by word of mouth which I think can be very dangerous. I say that because nearly every day I hear someone using the word gay as a cuss word or an insult or some homophobic remark or some people spreading some rumors or spreading false information that they were fed due to the lack of available and accurate information. Growing up, I had a tough time understanding exactly what being queer meant because we live in a society so dictated by heteronormative beliefs that I forced myself to believe that I had to be straight to be normal. But I just couldn't stop questioning why that was and why someone's sexual orientation even mattered. To this day, it is still hard being queer in Mozambique. People's information are limited to what they heard from someone whose opinions are probably biased. And I think that is a big part of the problem. We restrict ourselves and each other. People aren't taught to go search for the meaning of things themselves. A lot of the information that is acquired are from religious backgrounds which most of the times they have gone through some sort of 
confirmation bias change. That is, confirmation bias is when people look for information that supports their beliefs while disregarding information that may contrary what they think. So a lot of people just ignore the fact that they may be wrong and just spread false information. A lot of the times being queer is seen as a mental illness or unnatural or against God, which seems to be the main source of those beliefs, of homophobic beliefs, that being religion. And I think the problem is that we haven't developed amongst ourselves a environment where we can set aside where we have what we have learned and question if it is really true people haven't been able to talk to themselves and to each other honestly and actually understand what it means being queer a lot of people think that being queer is having an agenda and trying to brainwash other people into also being queer and i think that that only comes from a point of view of someone who uh, the point of view of someone who doesn't have enough information to actually understand what is going on and what our goals are with trying to raise awareness and having our rights recognized yeah so i think we still have a long way to go progress is being made of course but people still have to open themselves up more Hi, good day everyone. My name is Matthew Blaze. I am a 21-year-old non-binary person in Nigeria. I am an LGBTQ rights activist and I'm a woman believer 2020-2022 young leader and BC Alimi Foundation scholar, Rebo Academy scholar of 2020 and 2021. So being queer in Africa is a constant reminder of colonialism. It's a constant reminder of of what the white people took away from our history and it's a constant reminder of of how how it is for your life to be criminalized the 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 replay of of history right before you so being queer in nigeria is actually very very problematic because in 53 afghan in 35 afghan countries rather homosexuality is criminalized and you can't actualize your full potentials in these spaces where homosexuality is either criminalized by by the law or by the religion so and sometimes it gets to extreme cases where gay people are subjected to 
die by hanging or by stoning and we tend to ask ourselves if this was a replay of of the 16th century history so so yes being queer for me as a queer person in nigeria i have to constantly tell myself i have to constantly remind my myself of my history as a queer person Hi everyone, my name is Raymond Mudadi, aka Mondi. I am a writer, director, um, an executive producer, well, on the come up, but to some people I'm already <laughs> there. Um, you know, when we talk about the experience of queer people in Africa, I will start off by particularly addressing my personal experience and what I've witnessed and from where I come from. So I grew up in a small village in a province here in South Africa called Limpopo. And uh, when I was growing up, I didn't really see that many queer people around me. Um, and when I did see them, I was in awe because I, I, I could find something in them that I could relate, but I didn't know how to and to even engage with that conversation, but there was also this kind of fear because I grew up in an, a largely Christian home where, you know, we're expected to abide by Christian rules. And it's, you know, uh, my parents weren't necessarily staunch Christians. They understood the fact that like we were their children and that we, you know, we, it was a, a mandate for us to go to church every Sunday, but they were not necessarily staunch Christians that forced us to conform extremely to Christianity. But there was that kind of oppressive energy that came with the ideologies of religion. So I often felt the pressure and I knew that if I was to identify in a particular way that was different from what people considered to be the norm, that I would often feel scared, um, that, that it would not be allowed and and th there would be a certain kind of shame because as a, growing up as a young kid who would whose gender expression often was feminine and sometimes masculine and and and, and people would often prod and poke that and i would always kind of fit in the in, the, in the, the ideology of being a creative and that kind of became my safe space so i would always be in like plays school plays and be on stage and I found that to be a safe space for me where I could just get to explore myself in in all my avenues and all my facets and that for me was quite an exciting thing. So my experience growing up in, in rural Limpopo was really quite was quite difficult. But at the same time there was this kind of um um one day I'll get to hopefully live my life without being scared every day. Um, and I hated it when somebody called me gay. I was like, I used to be so terrified of that idea of somebody addressing me as a gay person. And I was like, oh my God, what does this mean? But then I realized as, as I began to grow that like, um, that there were other people out there who were like me. And I think the moment I realized that, I started realizing that like, I should try as much as I can to express myself in a way in which I wasn't afraid. And that wasn't easy. That wasn't easy. I remember when I was in grade nine, 
that's when I dealt with a lot of depression because that's when you're, you're, you're developing as, as a teenager and you're, you're dealing with hormonal changes and then you're starting to realize that you're sexually attracted to other boys and that, oh my goodness, this is how I feel now sexually. And it, you, you're kind of going through this, this point of stasis and you're trying to figure it out for yourself and there's nobody around you that can say, hey, there's nothing wrong with how you feel, there's nothing wrong with, with who you are. And um, after being bullied, to an extent where I, I tried to take my own life, I, I, told, I convinced my parents that I needed to change schools and um, I moved and I moved to the inner city, to Johannesburg. And when I moved to Johannesburg, I moved to an art school where I got to meet other queer people. And through that experience, I was able to be brave enough to stand up to myself and stand up to my parents and say, hey, this is... I am gay, but even though I actually didn't directly tell my parents, somebody actually outed me. It was a cousin of mine, um, but I could say that the, the the experience of being a queer person in Africa it can be a terrifying one, because everything around you that you consume tells you that who you are is wrong. You know, from the images that you constantly see, from the people around you that don't identify like that, um, and them not even understanding what it means. They, they, you know, they consider it to be unorthodox, and, and, and what they do immediately when they consider it that way, they other it. And that's what I experienced when I was growing up, is the fact that, like, from even verbal um, 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 subjugation. When when people would say like certain words that will force me to curl deep within myself, I figured that like that would be a very oppressive thing that would happen to me. So my experience, largely growing up in South Africa, I could say that there's a there's a certain kind of fear that comes with that. So yeah, that's largely my experience, and I do hope that like from people listening to this, they could get to hear that like you're not alone, and we we all kind of share these experiences that are terrifying but i think the more we unify each other and the more we start to 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 make others feel like they're not alone that's how we can actually change this world my name is Cindy Imana Erapudi and i am from south africa i am a podcaster i'm a blogger i'm a vlogger i I'm a training industrial psychologist who specializes most in diversity and inclusion. I have a podcast um, called The Evolve Talk. Um, when I started the podcast, it was me trying to to speak out, becoming the best version of best version of myself, having to deal with mental health issues, um, because of many other stuff as well. You know, losing my mom at a very young age and growing up not understanding who I was and everything else. So it was kind of hard uh, having to understand who I was, where I was, uh, where I grew up, because I never saw someone that looks like me though, that acts like me. So it was a challenge for me to actually. Um, recognize and self-actualize that oh this is actually who i am i only found out about myself when i uh, i went to varsity and that's when i realized oh you know this is actually what i relate with this is who i am actually and ever since then things has been you know has been such amazing in the sense that I am free. I am able to express myself really where I come from in my country. Uh, it, it is it is still hard. And the reason that I choose to be a diversity and inclusion specialist is that um, many of trans women don't, or trans men and trans women don't really belong in the 
corporate setting and they're not really welcome in those settings and that's where in i come as in diversity and inclusion so what what i do or what i would want to do in a broader pitch is that provide companies and help companies to build policies that will enable and open you know the industry to everyone else who is capable and not uh, limited to sexuality or gender identity so i believe that it is quite pivotal for companies to actually realize the fact that we are moving towards a fourth industrial revolution wherein we need to look at people's capabilities, not who they slip with and not to who they identify with. So that is one of my key um, aspects that I deal with, you know, helping companies to realize that that they actually can achieve more if then they uh, uh, include uh, diversity in their workplace scenarios. So I have learned that experience from my varsity in varsity. I got really involved in you know a lot of stuff as well politics you can name it activism yes girl i was there um i was part of this office called diversity um sorry gender gender uh, uh office the gender gender and sexuality office in the university of free state and basically what we were doing we were addressing those things that i am um, actually addressing now in corporate setting but more in the context of a university so we were we were we were teaching you know yeah uh, students on sexuality and gender uh, what the difference is we had workshops um we had campaigns we were providing a safe space um for 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 students in the universities that belong in the community They're like oh you can come here and just chill and be in a safe space where everyone understands where you are and not think that you are weird so that is the kind of environment that i want in a corporate setting that yes as trans people, as, as people in the LGBTQ community, you do belong in corporate as well because you are capable. Um, your gender identity does not mean that you are incapable of doing something. You are capable of doing it. So that is where I come in as as, as a diversity and inclusion to reassure to companies that guys, you need to include and 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 and, and diversify your profile, your community as well. So it has been I just started, you know, and it has been quite a journey. I've written articles on my experiences. Uh, most of the things that I go through, I post, I mean, I speak about it on my podcast. It's more like a personal blog. However, we do talk about a lot of stuff. Is like we go from um, the religion, we go from... Um, um, current affairs we go from training topics it's it's really informative check it out it's the evolve talk so i'm excited for this um podcast um that we are starting that will shed light on a lot of stuff as well that will assist and help people to get an understanding of what our community is about this is just merely like it's focused on the lgbtqi people in africa so i'm excited you know i'm really excited and i can't wait to hear different experiences and grow as a person because i'm always i'm always looking for growth and this is one place that growth will be found thank you so much keep on listening to queer talk africa religion culture family these are some of the things that we all have in common 
as queer Africans. Being a queer person in Africa is not the easiest thing. My experience, I often count myself to be privileged because my experience hasn't been so bad. I've heard a lot of people who have been ostracized because they were queer and African. I've heard a lot of people who have lost family and friends. I count myself lucky. But growing up was never easy. I grew up in Zambia, a country that considers itself a Christian nation. I particularly grew up in a Christian home, an Adventist home, much less. There were a lot of expectations that were expected of me, a lot of normal, a lot of norms that I had to live up to. And when society, the society that was around me, including my immediate family, noticed that I did not quite live up to those standards, maltreatment, bullying, harassment was put up on me. Growing up as a child who was quite different from a lot of my peers, all I knew was my normal. All I knew was the fact that I was gender non-conforming. I did not have the words for it, but I knew that I was not like any other boy, nor was, like, nor was I like any girl. I just knew I was me. I just knew I was different. And going out there in the world, starting grade school, the world told me I was weird. The world told me I was crazy. The world called me a girl boy and told me that I was a taboo. At such a, ten a tender age, all these are some of the things that I had to go through. Um, I had to go through a lot of self-hate and a lot of self-doubt. One of the things that comes up uh, the most when we're talking about coming out of the closet and accepting yourself and having other people accept you is self-acceptance. Knowing your value, knowing that you are the only normal that you can ever be. Accepting who you are in entirety within yourself. That is the most important thing. I love that in today's segment, we've heard from people from various countries around Africa. But the one thing that we all have in common is resilience. The one thing that we all have in common is the fact that we are tired of having people shape our narratives. We are tired of people calling us normal. We are tired of people calling us an African because what is African? We are African. We are queer. We're here and we're here to stay. Queer Talk Africa is a platform that will bring together people from various communities. It is a platform that is meant to make that one African person feel that they are not alone. And that one person who does not understand the impact that their behavior has on queer people to change their mindset and their narrative. Join us every week as we break down various issues that our community face. Queer Talk Africa is a platform that embraces intersectionality because we believe there is power in unity. You can follow us on our social media. On Twitter, it's queer, it's Africa underscore queer. 
and you can email us in case you have any questions or any suggestions or you would like to partner with us you can email us at queertalkafrica at gmail.com